the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. As Bitcoin prices have climbed in 2023, so too has interest in Bitcoin mining. The biggest expense in Bitcoin mining is, of course, electricity, and that poses some challenges in South Africa. The costs, of course, can be quite high, and then there is the problem of load shedding. There are Bitcoin mining rigs around the country relying on alternative sources of power, such as solar. And with the explosion of solar installations over the last two years, it's worth posing the question, can these solar installations be adapted for Bitcoin mining? Desiree Thomas is an entrepreneur and probably best known to South Africans as a former gladiator who took the plunge several years ago and she herself went into Bitcoin mining. So she's here to tell us about it. Welcome, Desiree, to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll get on to the gladiator thing in oh, a little bit. Oh, no. There. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> okay. We did have you on in August last year, and you were mm. talking about mainly education and… Adoption, yes. And women uh, in yes. cryptocurrencies as well. But mm. I'm keen to find out how you got into Bitcoin mining, because that's mm. one of the things that you do. Yeah, so being in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, you can't help but look for the alternatives, especially in a bear market. So you will know that after 2020, after the last bull market, we went slapped down into 21, 22, where you would say it's the bear market, where the crypto seems to be sliding downwards. So the animal is fighting downwards as opposed to the bull fighting upwards. That's the, the analogy that is used. So in between, what does the enthusiast do? What does the, a hardler like? like myself do, the one that buys and, and holds my Bitcoin or the person that does daily trading. So there's always alternatives. There's always other options. And uh, the one that I opted for was Bitcoin mining. At the time, uh, the hash rate was quite good in Bitcoin mining. So maybe just explain yes. the hash rate and why that's important. Yes. So Bitcoin mining is uh, where individuals uh, set up a whole lot of computers or computers. It's called the ASICs computers. That's the hardware that is used. And it uses cryptography to verify transactions, to ensure that transactions are legitimate and that they are published in the ledger on the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, in order to do that, you want to have your computer set up. That computer that is set up uses, of course, electricity. And because it is um, a sort of high voltage in terms of consumption, it is then perceived to be expensive. However, if you are mining gold, which is uh, an asset that has always been perceived to be a good store of value, you are mining gold, you would use copious amounts of electricity which we'd still do to do the rigs now bitcoin does not even touch that but where the naysayers of bitcoin will always then take us back to say oh well it consumes electricity but so does your electric stove or so does your your hairdryer Right. <laughs> you know, so it's taken a rap by people that are either not in bitcoin or don't quite understand and it is actually not that bad when I purchased my rig, um, I just had to do my electricity consumption calculation and then take it off of that based on uh, what my hash rate was. 
at the time that I purchased my rig, uh, the hash rate was still decent. It was sitting at around 700 rand a day uh, income. And then from that, you deduct maybe around 1,000 a month or 1,005 a month for your electricity consumption. Uh, Are you talking here about a single rig? This is just a single rig, just so that you understand at the time. So... That was my single rig, and that was the average that I was getting, and um, and, and then I had also um, so through just, savings just, just I put in solar. That. Just mm-hmm. pause on that. So, was it seven hundred rand per day? Per day. And your expenses were about a thousand per month. So, if you do the 1, sums on between that, between one thousand and one five. That that's pretty profitable because it's then profitable. you multiply seven by. Uh, whatever length yes. the I remember days. time so time has elapsed and uh, at the beginning right at the start of mining remember it's, it's a long story and I don't want to I want to summarize it as much as I can so Bitcoin uh, mining gave out incentives to miners so we started at 50 Bitcoins so each time uh, miners reach a block you get incentivized and that incentive, so you got 50 Bitcoin in the initially and that was distributed across the spectrum of miners around the world. Now, with halving every four years, remember Bitcoin's protocol says that every four years, and it's followed a trend of four years, every four years, the reward for mining is going to be halved by two divided by two. So we started at 15, 2012, 50 to 25, 2016, we went down to 12.5, and then 2020, 6.5. The next halving, which is uh, anticipated for 2024, will then take us to 3.12 Bitcoin spread across all the miners. Now, this helps you to gauge whether or not you should go into mining. So spread across all the uh, miners around the world. And then that 3.12 Bitcoin will then be distributed. Now, there's still an incentive for miners because there will always be a use case for mining. Remember, miners also verify transactions and they authenticate transactions. We need miners. So where where initially you are mining to make that to get to the next block and get that and share the Bitcoin. Now you're going to the mining incentive will purely just be on the authentication of transactions. Right. And of course, the fees on that, the fees that you can earn from mining, they have shot up in the last few months for a, a number of reasons. And I think we come to that in a minute. But um, okay, so at the moment, for people who are not familiar with the, the whole process of mining, mining yeah. is really, it's, it's, it's computers that are yes. whirring away, generating yes. a huge amount of transactions, yes. cryptographically trying to solve problems. Absolutely. And they get rewarded every 10 minutes. There's at the moment 6.25, I think it is, Bitcoin released into the world. Yes. Uh, and that's going to get halved down to, as with you said, 3.12 next to. year. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Okay, so there are certain economics which come into that because if at the moment you're earning six not that you would be earning but this is the total and how many nodes are there out there i i think i read fifteen thousand or something like that Um, so there'd be fifteen thousand computers that are all competing for this 6.25 bitcoin at the same time but you did mention that the the hash rate and, and the authentication exactly. of transactions is another way of, remember, of earning revenue. Yeah. So remember, the halving is a good thing for Bitcoiners because it increases the the, the scarcity value 
of the commodity. So when the scarcity value is increased, the value, the, the, the monetary value of that asset increases. Hence you find that, it, uh, you, we call it in the bull run, Bitcoin has shot up to 900,000 per Bitcoin as was the case in 2021 or 2020. I think it momentarily went over a million rand. Momentarily. So one minute you're sitting with a a pieces of Bitcoin and next thing you're a millionaire and you wake (laughs) up two years later, you're a thousandaire. (laughs) Right. But that's the beauty of the asset. So you also have to decide whether you're a a long-term investor or a short-term investor. I long felt I don't have the energy to do daily trades. So... I'm a uh, hodler. I hold on to my Bitcoin. I use it as my retirement. And uh, I'm just also one of those people um, that were lucky in that I came in really early. 2014 was quite early. And I used my Provident Fund. I had just uh, left my job and I was going into business. And I used uh, most of my Provident Fund and bought Bitcoin. Because I'm such a, you know, a curious person and I, I suffer massive FOMO, like right now I'm suffering AI FOMO. I'm like, I cannot be left behind. There's something that I need Jeez, to invest in. And that was the case in 2014. I was uh, surfing the Internet and I was in chat groups with Silicon Valley kids, geeks all over the world. And I was in chat groups and I was like, and the beautiful thing about the Internet is that you don't have to, you don't have, there's no face. You just you're just a person. You either sit there and be quiet and, and curious or you input. So I was, because I did not know much, I just sat there and checked it out. And uh, and I was looking for the next big thing. I'm like, okay, if the fourth industrial revolution is the internet and data, what is the next big thing? So the next big thing will be cryptocurrency, right? And lo and behold, that was the case. I always say that it's the questions that we don't ask that set us back from getting access to big things, right? So by just sitting there and reading comments, I was able to pick up that, okay, if we go into this thing called Bitcoin, whatever that is, uh, there's a chance that it's going to uh, help you get uh, big rewards. So the internet was good in that it made a few millionaires like the Zuckerbergs, the Jack Dorseys, uh, the YouTube creators, and that was Web 2. What happens in Web 3? I think you mean the Winklevosses. Uh, I don't know if Zuckerberg went into but anyway. Yeah. Well, no, Zuckerberg is in Web 2 in that okay. he created Facebook on the Web 2 platform, right. right? So those are the big boys of the Web 2 platform, right? Mm-hmm. Enter Web 3. What happens? Well, in Web 2, in all fairness, we were able to load uh, stuff on YouTube and Unlike Web 1, where we were, it's just, just text, we were receiving, we were just reading text, but not inputting anything. You weren't able to load videos in Web 1. Web 2, we were able to consume the Facebook and the Instagrams of this world. Enter Web 3, we all become Zuckerbergs, right? <laughs> the decentralization of access means that anybody can become a Elon Musk or a Jack Dorsey. Anybody can go into it. You can all create. Enter artificial intelligence. We all become coders, mm-hmm. right? And it just becomes what about what question are you asking and what are you prompting? So the next level of education is not going to be so much what you've learned, but how you structure your questions so that you're getting the solutions that you need. You're no longer going to sit for 12 years at school 
because AI is just going to have so many solutions. It sounds very vague right now. It's going to wash over our heads, most of us. But the fact of the matter that is that these things that we are creating after the advent of the Internet are far surpassing our imagination in terms of what we can do as a human species. They are going to be a billion times more intelligent than us and that is a collective of all of our intelligence that has been put in there collated by uh, the the artificial intelligence and then sent back to us and it's going to be about how we ask those questions Mm. to get the right solutions just uh, going back to mining your mine it's in the Joburg area is that right I know it's at my place my mine my rig is at my place in Joburg yes in, in Centurion in Centurion okay is it uh, powered off the grid or do you have solar? So I have part solar, part, I have a 10 kVA solar system, which is usually sufficient. But obviously at night you get less sunshine and it, you, you consume all of your power. So I substitute it. I substitute my uh, electricity with yeah, solar. And this, that's just so that my energy bill is not high. However, there's the issue in South Africa of uh, load shedding. So whether you have your, um, you know, you're going to need your solar for the rest of the, the utilities in your household, which means that you could start balancing. Am I going to use it for mining um, or am I going to use it for the television and doing everything else? You start having to balance. So it is a huge disadvantage for us in South Africa, the fact that we have so much load shedding, especially if you're trying to mine in South Africa. I was at the Bitcoin conference in May in Miami and I met a whole lot of the Bitcoin coiners and they were all talking about, oh you guys have so much sunshine in south africa i need to bring out my rigs there so i thought oh man without one without with not wanting to to put my my country in a bad light <laughs> i'm thinking good luck yeah. would you like to mine for me and i thought okay if i want to be a scammer right now i could easily that that is that would be my ticket but yeah, I mean, it is interesting, and the, the thought that uh, does occur to me is that we've had this explosion of solar installations across the country in the yeah. last couple of years. And, yeah, a lot of, them. of yeah, course, really during the daylight hours, mm. you probably have a lot of surplus power that, sure. that's not being used. Mm. And my question to you was, can that not be put to use in Bitcoin mining? I know it's, we're in winter, and it's a very limited window of no, of course it can. But can it be done? Of course it can be done. Somebody told me the other day that the solar that we don't use uh, is rooted back to ESCOM. Now, how about if, or, or if it would be good if ESCOM actually incentivized you for it. But I don't even know if they know that the, the, the energy is rerouted yes. to them. Now, we never know what laws are going to be put in place uh, around energy consumption. However, there's other ways that people can now mine. You can mine using your computers. You can do staking on on um, exchanges. There's there's a dynamic array of opportunity for people who want to go into mining. And I think that uh, the, the next session we could possibly even talk about that. One of them, a quick one, is it's ju- just to stake your 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 cryptocurrency. Right. So just explain mm. what you mean by staking for those who don't know that. <laughs> so you know when you're in the banks and your money is sitting in the bank. So say you've stored. A hundred thousand, and uh, you get it out within what a month, or you got it on a thirty-two day interest-bearing account. What happens to that money while it is um, sitting there? The bank uses it; it loans it out to other people at an interest, but you don't get to benefit 
from that interest. You All you get is perhaps a, a tiny little percentage. I don't know what percentage they, they give. Now when you stake yeah, your crypto as a hodler, for example, I'm a hodler. So instead of leaving my crypto there and waiting for the next bull run so I can take profits, I put it out there so it can be used for various projects. And then I get rewarded for staking. Right, so it's yeah. basically interest yeah. that you're earning on your crypto. Absolutely. And I think the rate is, what, 1% or 2%. It's not very high, but it's something. It is something, and it's better than fiat. Okay. Mm. Now, to get into mining, do you need certain technical skills? Did you, you need nothing. Did you pull in this? Your, did you do this all yourself just from research? <laughs> so I also, at the time, 2014, I started a WhatsApp group. But little did I know that I was starting a whole mining company. I started pulling together all the different geeks, and I had some geeks from PE, geeks from around the world. So I set up a WhatsApp group. Unlike other WhatsApp groups where you just anybody, come one, come all, do your thing, sell your products, I started authenticating and verifying users on my group. I've got about 256 uh, miners. and um, That's in South Africa? Yeah. Or they're all over? All over, all over, but a lot of them are in South Africa. Authenticating them, making sure that these people are legitimate because I'm anti-scamming, I'm anti-scammers. So they then so got onto the platform and we created a, a sales border where, where we people can come, a marketplace for mining. So hardware, software, uh, information. And people started trading ASICs miners, all sorts of miners, GPUs on my yeah, platform. And then I started monetizing. I started charging well, them 500 bucks per person. But well, you're not going to get another place like this. And once you are here, you're going to start understanding that you, you're in a legitimate place. You've got decent sellers, decent buyers. If somebody does wrong, there's a bad actor, we put them in a, in, we've got a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> and we've got adjudicators and we decide whether the, we, we're kicking this person out or we're keeping them in our system. So um, for a, a long time in 2021, all I was doing was adjudicating and I was getting paid for it. <laughs> right. It was crazy until I then handed over the, the task to a colleague of mine from PE. All right, just a couple of words you mentioned there, ASIC. That, that of course, is the, is the rig, the name of the yes. hardware. Yes, And the GPU would be like a gaming card, right? Yes, mm -hmm. those are the cards. Um, okay, so technical skills, you managed to do this without uh, having to bring in big guns at great well, expense from outside. Well, being the mother here, and I just use my geeks that are around. What I've noticed with geeks is that geeks are not people persons, right? They don't like people. So what I did is I positioned myself to bring all the geeks together, but I'm the one that's going to communicate on their behalf. So they don't need to speak to anyone. They don't like people. So I make sure that I communicate. I made sure that I communicated for them and on their behalf. On the Bitcoin mining that you're doing, mm. are you switching off the rigs at a certain time of the day because there's load shedding or there's no solar? I did. I did. I had to switch them off for stage six. Because there's only so much time that a 10 kVA will carry you through a rig. And remember, I, I'm, um, I love your name. Uh, I always know that I can't say it the way that I'm reading it. <laughs> I, remember, I did tell you that I'm a farmer with, with some Bitcoin in 20, the eve of COVID-19. I bought a farm, a nine hectare farm where we doing crops and livestock and, and eggs and bees. So... 
what I do with my rig, I hear this. So to incubate eggs, I, I create my own chickens. So I collect eggs from my chickens. I've got a 500 egg machine and I incubate chickens. Now, those that machine in winter gets cold. So you can increase the temperature of that machine using your mining rig. You p- place them in the same room. So what I just do is I put a, a dust, an anti-dust curtain around my rig because I don't like uh, dust in my rig. That rig generates heat for my egg machine and I get a great production of eggs, healthy chickens coming out of, I breed Australope, a very rare type of chicken called the Australope, rare like the Bitcoin. So in that room, I do two uh, means of production. One, I'm mining um, Bitcoin and the other one, I'm uh, creating a, a decent environment for my egg production. Well, we're on stage six now at the moment. So have you shut it off? I have. Yes. Okay. I have shut off my machine. And when the days get a little bit longer, maybe around about September, August, we I will. For me, it's more of when we get out of stage six, uh, because I do want to heat up my egg room as well. So when we get out of stage six, also I want to re- preserve my rig. My rig costs me about one hundred and ten thousand. Rand. Okay, and so the, how often do you have to replenish that? I mean, when the machines get bust or they get uh, obsolete, do you have to replace them? The ASICs machine, the ASICs miners are brilliant. I've not had to do much on it. Did I've got mouse? my geeks uh, that uh, help me with maintenance, but I have not had to maintain it. I make sure that I've got surge protection on my DB system as well as my plugs. I just make sure that I don't have... The biggest enemy to any electronic device is... Uh, search um, when you've got either too much or too little voltage running through the system. Right. A lot of people are still skeptical about Bitcoin. You got into it in 2014, so you're absolutely a pioneer in this. So to to those who are skeptical, what would you say to them? Man, I would say go, if you're skeptical, go out and read. In fact, in this particular podcast, do me a favor and just go and check out Michael Saylor on YouTube. If you do nothing else, just do that. Check out Michael Saylor on YouTube. I also saw the Michael Saylor being the CEO of MicroStrategy, the the biggest advocate of Bitcoin. Biggest and one of the biggest investors in Bitcoin. They're up to about two hundred thousand Bitcoin. The biggest investor in Bitcoin is Satoshi Nakamoto. The group they have about a million Bitcoin. Michael Saylor and his company they write up there in terms of accumulation. I'm sure there's other people that we don't know of. Uh, There's also so the BlackRock CEO, I see that they, you know, BlackRock Larry owns. Fink, yeah. They they own literally almost everything in the world. And they've <laughs> they started to get into. They've purchased bit, uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. The Jack Dorseys. So I always look at what are the big boys doing. If there's something that the big boys are doing on an, a decentralized system, meaning that I, from a third world country, a nobody, can also participate in. Oh, of course I want to get in. Of course I want to get in. Of course I want to understand it. And of course I want to start educating other people to to check it out. And more importantly, I'm proof that it works. Proof to myself and everyone that is around me that it has worked. I mean, I woke up one day and I had all this asset and I didn't even understand it well at the time. I thought, okay, let's test it. Is the assets real? Let me try and buy a farm with it. And lo and behold, I purchased my farm. No one would give me that kind of money. You purchased your farm with Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Was it a peer-to-peer transaction or did you convert that to RANs and then pay? I've converted it to RAND because of because of where we are in the system, because of adoption. You know, adoption delays everything. You still have to use fiat currency. So I take my hard-earned tax money that has already been taxed and I transfer it to my uh, exchange, my crypto exchange wallet and purchase my Bitcoin. Bitcoin um, uh, skyrocketed, took it back to my bank account, went to buy my property, which is my farm, through, uh, in my case, it was Standard Bank. So I moved the, the, the currency in a loop like that. No mortgage? No mortgage. Fantastic. No, no. Fantastic. I was lucky. Mm. I was lucky. But at the time, I just, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had just left my Bitcoin. <laughs> but I don't regret. I don't regret, regret uh, purchasing a farm. I think it was Johan Rupert, not Johan Rupert, it was uh, Johan Rupert's dad who said uh, one of the worst investment decisions is to, uh, for him was to sell his shares and then Rembrandt mm-hmm. uh, to buy a house. Oh, no. Especially if the house is not going, to, if if the house is not a productive uh, asset, uh, you, you, yeah. Well, we know that it's an appreciating asset over time. But what happens when government decides to increase in- interest rates? If America increases interest rate, it sinks the currency of our uh, third world nations, right? And your 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 house becomes valueless in the future. Whereas if you uh, invest that money in a widely scarce, widely desirable asset that any billionaire in the world would want to buy, you would have had done good. Yeah. Right. Just a couple of quick questions. We are running out of time. This is but fascinating discussion. Um, you're also involved in Bitcoin education or crypto education. Yes. Tell us briefly about that. Yes. So I, I think it's a it's a Bitcoin trait. You feel so good about the asset that you just cannot sit with it. You cannot sit and hold that information because the quicker that we all understand and adopt Bitcoin, the better it will be for Africa. Remember, Bitcoin was uh, built or created as a rebel movement against the 2008 financial uh, meltdown, uh, mainly in the US. So it was created as a rebellious movement to say, no single entity, central government or anybody, should have so much control and power over billions of people. And then they pull the strings and they dictate and they create the inflation and they pull back and they hold as much as they can with your money. We need a protocol that is going to decentralize the asset and allow for anybody to come in and have their money stored, a store of value, peer-to-peer, can be anywhere in the world, with security, tight security, which is the blockchain mechanism, tight protocol, only 21 million will ever be done. Therefore, there's no government that's going to want to come and print a whole lot of Bitcoin or create Bitcoin and flood the system and create inflation. So it was a movement against that and said, we don't want that. We want to decentralize power to people the same way that the internet gapped, um, the, uh, uh, killed the gap, the, the information, to uh, the access to information gap, cryptocurrency, mainly Bitcoin, is the, the, the thing that's going to take us to the next place. Jack Dorsey says it's an empowerment instrument, an instrument of empowerment. The quicker that we get as many people understanding it and adopting it, the quicker. Imagine if a whole lot of people like me, a whole lot of nobodies who had no money, 
had this had the same um luck kind of luck by just knowing access to knowledge access to information right so do you go out to schools and universities uh, i see you've tied up with yellow card yes uh, so how do you mm. actually do this education i somewhat feel like there's a soft ban in the country around cryptocurrency because honestly i'd love to be on radio i'd love us to be speaking on television but when we go to radio stations they have a soft ban on cryptocurrency they really? I don't know whether they don't understand it or whether it's just somebody that says okay it does not work in our interest to 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 talk less about fiat and more about cryptocurrency but um the country and many countries are still very rebellious against that and it's understandable but we teach within the gray areas where there's no ban and there's no soft locks and so on so we literally go out to the streets and teach when i was in miami and i was uh, with michael sailor by the way mm-hmm. i met him <laughs> and he says what we have to is actually started a free academy himself right. the billionaire teaches people for free so we were out in the streets literally saying to people buy bitcoin like little beggars and like buy bitcoin start buying bitcoin which is something that we and really you can really buy a hundred rands worth of bitcoin that's the you thing people buy, see the price it's you can at buy thirty thousand dollars yes. you don't have to yes. buy remember like a rand there's units there's there's units within a rand mm. there's cents in there so same thing with bitcoin you're buying a satoshi so there's a hundred million satoshis in one bitcoin so I think what happens is that people fear the number that is involved in Bitcoin. Oh, what is the value of Bitcoin? Oh, it's sitting at uh, 589,000. I don't have 589,000. No, you don't need to be buying a, an entire Bitcoin with just 10,000 rand or if you have. Or if you have 1,000 rand, if you have 100 rand, you start getting into the, the Bitcoin world. Right. What about altcoins? Are you at all interested in them? Altcoins being anything which is not a Bitcoin, yes, but is a alternative coins. Yes, yeah. I was saying, you know, it's unfair to say. I mean, I know a lot of my colleagues call them ish coins. <laughs> I won't mention the word, but <laughs> it's unfair to say that because you know, with anything, anything that is great that comes up, there will always be a, an opportunity product that is created behind that vehicle. So Bitcoin, when it was created, the only use case that it presented was peer-to-peer transactions and store of value. Now, when people saw this blockchain, they said, oh, well, if that's the only thing that can be done on Bitcoin, what are other things that can be done on blockchain? And they found the use cases of gaming. They found uh, use cases of um, utilities like Ethereum and so on and Solana. So uh, DeFi, decentralized finance. So all these other things that Bitcoin was not uh, offering on the blockchain, on its blockchain. Ethereum then said, okay, we're going to provide alternatives other things that you can do, and those are growing. And that is the beauty of the protocol that Bitcoin uh, presented in the beginning. Would you urge women to get involved in Bitcoin mining? I would urge everyone. I think that the the quicker that women climb onto Bitcoin mining, Bitcoins investing or trading in Bitcoin, the quicker that women, because women are the biggest influences in society. A woman will influence you, your wife, uh, your daughter will, oh, dad, may I? Uh, Women are just big influences of anything. So the quicker that we can get women in, and women talk about things more openly and widely than I think men do. So the quicker that women can start investing 
investing in them. I say, I always say, instead of buying that Louis Vuitton bag, I'm going to add to my uh, crypto portfolio. <laughs> so it has really changed how I interact with money and how I see money for the future. And somebody who does want to go down this road, how do you suggest they get started? Where can they go to get information? Okay, so there's a... Again, I must let's quickly quick disclaimer. We are not giving financial <laughs> advice. I'm specifically not giving anyone financial advice in terms of how and where to spend their money. But what I did was I first started by going out to get information, be it on um, authentic websites like uh, the bitcoin.org. And then you find uh, you, you, once you get you, you understand what you're reading on bitcoin.org or um Crypto.com, Binance.com, then you decide which wallet you want to go with. I specifically use Yellow Card, the wallet, because they have uh, patronized and invested in South Africa uh, for the adoption phase. So they've put their money out there and said, we want to educate people. Um, therefore, I go with them. So I have uh, Yellow Card is one of my uh, exchanges. I've got two other exchanges that I used. The, one of them is what, the one that I started using in 2014. But Yellow Card is a good exchange in that it is uh, Africa specific. In, it started with uh, USDT, which is a one to one parity between the U.S. dollar and it's a, a stable coin back by the U.S. dollar. A stable coin, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kedar. And it's brilliant for Africa because there's a lot of peer-to-peer uh, -peer transactions uh, within the continent. And then they just did Bitcoin initially. Now they have more. So there's you, you can decide what wallet you want. But just be careful when you go into a wallet that that wallet is not cloned by um, bad actors. So you just the same way if you're downloading a, a wallet off of your um, or, or, or an app off of your gadget, you want to make sure that you're downloading the correct thing. Yeah. So it starts there. Make sure that your exchanges are authentic and they make sure that you're not sharing information. No one will ever scam anybody that is awoke or awake right. or alert or sure. is knowledgeable. And yeah. you always give away your money. The blockchain has never been hacked. It, it's impossible to hack it. The, the Bitcoin People get hacked. Yes. No, most. In fact, most of the blockchain, mm. you get hacked because you, you've given away your information through your DMs. And I always say, no one loves you that much to give you to multiply your 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 money ten times overnight. No one loves you that much. Yeah. Stay away from the DMs. I mean, I, I think the the problem you talked about, you know, the soft ban. Mm -hmm. um, that's partly because of this. There are a lot of scams associated with crypto, mm -hmm. but that's because there are weak links on the chain. So if you, if somebody tells you buy Bitcoin on an exchange and send it to this address to me, oh, that's how they do it. That's how they lose their, their money. And mm -hmm. we come across that here at MoneyWeb quite a lot. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to wrap it up there, Desiree Thomas. I wish Thomas. you could stay forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great discussion. And uh, yes, of course, we're going to have you uh, back again to thank talk you. about this. But thank you very much for coming and in the studio as well. Thank you for having me. for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.